The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in the boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving, and many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. Just to provide a further context on the gospel that we have just heard, if you remember last Sunday, the gospel was Jesus sent his apostles two by two on their own for the very first time in advancing his mission. Jesus wanted to cover more mileage, and there's that urgency to proclaim the gospel, so he thought. Okay, guys, you've been with me for a while. You've seen what I did. I've taught you. You are ready to be on your own. And last Sunday in the gospel, he sent them two by two. Now they returned. And we were told at the very first line in the gospel today that they gathered around Jesus and reported to them all what had happened. And Jesus said, Good job, guys. Terrific. You deserve a little bit of rest. <laughs> you deserve a little bit of rest. You've, you've worked really hard. And before I send you out again, why don't we have a little bit of relaxation? Let's go to the other side. That was the plan. <laughs> that was the plan. Until, of course, we were told in the gospel that there were so many interruptions and the plan did not push through. We know what it is to have a plan and suddenly there are interruptions. Well, we have been interrupted for a year and, a year and it's almost 15 months already by this pandemic. But even before this pandemic, where life is just interrupted by so many things. If you're a mom or a parent and you have little kids, you know, your life is like an interruption every moment, right? Or if you have a small baby, it's like, oh, the baby is asleep. I can have like an hour of rest and like you're starting just to rest and 15 minutes after you heard his cry and, you know, that planned respite or rest is that just out of the window or you just got in a job 
you get interviewed, the job was offered to you, and you're ready to show up, and everything seems to be going well. You get there, the responsibilities were laid down to you before that, and when you show up, new responsibilities were added, and you're not prepared for it. It's like an interruption. Or you're looking forward to retirement, like several months from now, and then suddenly, just in your regular checkup, there was this big news that you have the cancer, and everything is just interrupted. Or sometimes, you know, on my day off, I forget something in my office, and I would sneak in, and somebody sees me, and it's like, yeah, your morning is gone. <laughs> you don't plan to stay, but of course, thanks be to God, there is that door right next outside my office. I don't have to go through the main door. I, I use that a lot. But even there, you know, they see our cars, like, oh, father is here. It's great. I, I'm not complaining. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but just, we're, it's, Life is full of interruptions. How do we deal with interruptions? Jesus modeled it for us today. They had a plan, but the needs of the people were more important and pressing. And what we saw in the action of Christ is that He was equally present to these interruptions in the same way that he was present to those things that he planned before that are already in the calendar. He gave the same, he, he gave the same attention, time, um, charity, compassion, love. In the same way that he gave them all of those things with those things that they had already planned before. And this is a good lesson for me and for all of us. You know, how many times those things that interrupt us, especially the, you know, the, the, those things that seems to be in the way, they are important and people are asking something for us, our time. And I'm speaking about myself. My, my tendency is just, okay, let's go on. Let's get on with it. You know, what do you need? <laughs> What do you need so that I could move on to what I have planned in my calendar? Where I am not truly 100% present, but I just want to get that interruption gone and uh, be dealt with, be dealt with without really the same heart, without the same attention, and the same a presence that I would have given to something that I have planned before. But here in the gospel, here in the gospel, Jesus taught his disciples that in these moments, in these moments of inter interruptions, God is 100% present in the same way that he is 100% present in those things that have been planned out already. I was surprised when Mark said in the gospel that people arrived first on the other side of the lake 
than Jesus and his disciples. As like, are they runners? It's like we're talking about crowds. It's like, how were they able to get to the other side of the lake? You know, what, what did they do? You know, there was no bus. There was no, you know, like a Portland spirit to transport them from one side to the other. You know, what did they do? The point of Mark in here is to show us the, the urgency of the need of the people. They were so desperate. They were so desperate of, of whatever they need from Christ that they even arrived first on the other side of the lake. How many times, though, in my own life, in my own life, I tried to second guess where Jesus was going to be? And I wanted to be ahead of Jesus. I wanted to be ahead of Jesus because I wanted to make sure that, that my needs are met. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with, with what the people did. But also, I realized that it's better for us, rather than to second guess where Jesus will going to be, so it's better to actually be with Jesus in the boat, just like the disciples to truly experience his presence. The people were there simply because they need something from him. That is why they had to second guess where Jesus were going to go. But the disciples and the apostles were different. They were with Jesus in the boat because they were in a relationship with Him. And if you are in a relationship with Jesus, whether you have a pressing need or not, you are with Him. That's the difference here too between the disciples and the people just seeking Him out. So reflecting on these two different groups of people, two different crowds, where do I find myself? Where do I find myself? When they finally, when they finally arrived there on the other side, we, we were told that his heart was moved with pity for them. The disciples were probably, were, were, were probably uh, frustrated. It's like, I thought we were going to have some rest and relaxation in here. I thought we were going to be recharged. I thought we can do some barbecue and just relax in here. We are, look at this crowd. Look at this crowd. Jesus was telling his disciples, though, that to find rest, real rest, you only need to find a place and a time to be with him, to be with Jesus. Jesus was telling them, I know, guys, that you want to, to experience physical rest away from the people, but I want you to realize that that, that, short, that short distance between from this side of the lake to the other side, that short distance that we sailed, that you're with me, 
should already be the most restful experience because I am with you. What does it tell us, my dear friends? It tells us that if you want to experience true rest, the secret thing is only to be with Him. I, I love my day off because I can do laundry, I can do groceries, I can clean the house, I can sleep in a little bit. And I'm, I, I truly like it because I feel rested. At least, you know, the following day, Tuesday, you're back to the grind. And I truly feel restful. But without being pious about this, the most restful experience that I always experience in my life is whenever I am in communion with God in prayer. And it doesn't have to be a specific day, a specific, you know, a day that I have to plan. Whenever I enter into communion with Him, that's where experience rests. Because if you are in the hands and embrace of God, there is nothing more comforting and consoling with that. So that is why Jesus was telling His disciples without saying words, this distance, guys, that you're with me, that we're just together, you're in communion with me, should be an experience of rest for you. Whenever we come to the Eucharist as a community, hopefully it becomes a restful experience, not an agitating one. I know it can be agitating, especially if the priest is preaching long, you know, or, you know, there are things that agitate us at Mass, right? What, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, Sue, because, you know, you might answer something that we don't want everybody to hear, but what, what makes you restless in the Eucharist? It's supposed to be the most restful and and peaceful experience because we're celebrating here uh, the passion, the resurrection of Jesus. Whenever we are in the Eucharist, we are in communion with God in the most unique way that we can ever find anywhere else. Same thing, you know, when we visit the Blessed Sacrament in the adoration, that's an experience of resting with God. When they disembarked, we were told that his heart was moved with pity for them. The word pity in English is really interesting. Um, with me, English as a second language, whenever I, I read the gospel, it, it, words for me are, I, I'm, I'm very deliberate and conscious in analyzing them because every word in the scriptures says something more than it says externally. And the word pity in here is really a very, uh, it, it's not a powerful translation of the original. When you say that you pity someone, you feel sorry for the other person. It's like, oh, I feel sorry for you, you're suffering and all of that. But I am removed, far removed from your experience. And the word that is used in here in the original Greek is even more powerful than the word empathy. You know, after pity, there's the empathy, where you feel like, okay, I'm not pronouncing it well probably with a TH, but, you know, empathy, it, where you feel like 
you're experiencing, you, 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 you can feel what the person is experiencing because you had been there before. So you can, you can actually relate to the person. But being emphatic with the other person also means that, yes, I feel for what you're experiencing, but I'm better off now because I am not experiencing what you're experiencing right now. So even though I could relate to you, I, I'm still in a better position. Okay? I'm still in a better position. That's not what Jesus was experiencing in the gospel today. What is this? What's the original one? The original word that was used for move with pity here is actually to be moved from the guts. It is the gut-wrenching experience of Jesus. And the word that was used in Greek is the same root word for intestines. Where you feel like it's in here. You know, you're connected. Meaning, when Christ saw the suffering of the people, he truly felt that he was also suffering their suffering. There is this powerful unity. When Christ saw their miseries, it felt like Jesus was also experiencing their miseries. This is something that gives me consolation. This and consolation and hope and, and deeper faith in God. You know, there are times when we see God as, some, as someone who is a little bit removed from us. Yeah, yes, He is concerned about us, but it feels like, you know, he, since He is God, He can just give us whatever doll out we need. It's like, okay, you lower people down there in the world, I feel sorry for you. I know you need something. Here is what you need. Now move on. It's not a God who feels like sorry for us and just relaxing in his lazy boy in heaven with his tea or coffee or Portland beer. It's not that. But rather, he truly experiences. Could you imagine how many billions of people right now in the world, and if God is experiencing the uniqueness of your own suffering, well, he can do that. He is God. But it shows us how God is so close to us than we are to ourselves. The, just wrap your head with that reality. If you're convinced of that, that that is your God, who will not gonna grow deeper in your love for that God. I do. I do. You know, when someone tells me, uh, you know, about, uh, about the suffering of, of, like, of a mother, of a son or a daughter, whatever it is, and uh, the person is saying, I, I just want the best for my spouse, father. I just want the cure for my son or for my daughter. And I feel like, you know, I feel the, uh, the misery of the person. But I find consolation in the fact that 
if your love is that powerful already and how deep for that person, how much the love of God for that person? You know, if I have already that love for this person that I love in the most powerful way, multiply it with million times or more with the kind of love that God has for that person. So I just have to have confidence and trust in the loving arms and embrace of the Father. And what did Jesus do? Oh, wow, it's long. What did Jesus do when he experienced this gut-wrenching you know, gut-wrenching experience with the mystery of the people. We were told that he taught them. He taught them. It's a very interesting response to suffering and misery. You know, my tendency, whenever, whenever I'm presented with a problem, it's like, okay, you need something for gas, I give you money, move on. This is your problem. What's your problem? Okay, I'm going to solve it for you right now. This is what you need. I give it to you. Move on. It's the simplest thing, right? It's the simplest thing. But the ways of God, which is supposed to be our ways as well as people of faith, is different. He taught them. And what does it mean teaching them? He taught them how to navigate the situation. He taught them how to collaborate in the fulfillment of the solution to the problem. He taught them to realize more than just the problem that they were facing, but rather how to see them according to their identity as sons and daughters of the Father and how God is super involved in the realization of those solutions. He taught them. It's not dull out. Let's learn from this, from the ways of Christ in the building up of his kingdom, in the building up of his kingdom. The question is, the question is, who can we be shepherds to in our own lives right now who seems to be wandering lost? Because using the words from the gospel today, they are like sheep without a shepherd. You can be that shepherd to them and teach them about the ways of the kingdom.